Um, this morning, I am hoping that online we have Michael Swain from 4SA on Zoom. I'm getting furious nods from the sound technicians at the back, so that's a good thing. Michael, brother, it is good to have you with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mark, and good morning to your listeners. Great to be with you as always. And Michael, my understanding is this morning we're talking about faith in public schools, specifically what the law says a public school may and may not do. And apparently an activist uh, organization called DUN, I'm guessing that's like in Afrikaans do, but uh, it's D-O-E-N, has sent a letter to certain public schools challenging the way that religious observances are taking place and the apparent lack of policy to govern the way religious observances take place in the school. And the issue of faith in public schools has recently resurfaced in the media. Um, do you want to kind of uh, elaborate and take us through that? Is faith allowed in public schools in South Africa? Or are we a secular state like America where faith is not allowed in schools at all? Thank you, Marka. This is a very important conversation because I actually am under the impression that many people think that we are, in fact, like America, and that somehow we have this separation of church and state, and therefore, when it comes to faith in our public schools particularly, um, somehow that's not allowed or it's restricted. And yes, to a measure it is, but it is certainly, certainly allowed. And I think the best place to start is, of course, the South African Constitution, which is the supreme law of South Africa. And uh, Article 15.2, which is also the sort of religious freedom article uh, of our Constitution, explicitly states that religious practices may take place at state or state-aided institutions. And that, of course, is our public school, uh, because uh, public schools are state-aided institutions. And so what we have to then look at is, well, also specified in the Constitution, are what are the requirements that need to be met? And mainly, uh, these are that the practices or the observances comply with rules made by the appropriate public authority. And that, uh, until recently in 2017, when there was a case which we'll get to, uh, was not necessarily understood or defined, but now it is. And secondly, they must be conducted on an equitable basis. And the thirdly, that attendance at such religious observances must be free and voluntary. So therefore, we can see clearly we're not like America, which is very, very good news, because it means that a, a school is uh, an institution, it is a space where all South Africans, I mean, specifically the children, uh, are entitled and allowed to and have their rights protected uh, to religious freedom. Um, I think there are a couple of important observations to make as well. What we're about to say in this in this uh, court case does not apply to private schools. You know, private schools are allowed to have their own ethos, their codes of conduct, they're allowed to name their school whatever they want to and so on and so forth. So we're only talking about public schools. Uh, and Obviously, the second thing is to say that no public school may teach a specific faith. You can't proselytize, so to speak, um, as a teacher in a public school, uh, in the general school lessons and in school time. But that said, uh, we are very much, uh, I think, needing to emphasize that schools are not a secular space. Uh, they are very much a space where religious observances uh, can be observed. 
Michael, this conversation is actually really close to my heart. A few years ago, and when I say a few years ago, 11 years ago, I arrived at uh, Crystal Park, um, my first pastorate. And uh, I, I really wanted to reach out to the community, and I, I couldn't figure out how. I mean, you know, 24,000 people in this little suburb, but, but how do you reach a suburb? And so I, I went down to the local high school, and I said, look, can I get involved in, in reading a piece of Scripture and explaining the meaning and praying, basically doing an expository message uh, during your, your devotions? And the principal said, look, he doesn't, he doesn't feel comfortable with that issues with you know religion and he actually dropped state and not even too sure that that was allowed and uh, I was rather crestfallen I turned around and started walking home um, and then I, I had an idea and I turned around I went back and I said look can you know my time isn't up can I just have a few more minutes with you I asked him are you guys singing the national anthem and he said no we're not and I said well you know what on Fridays can I come in and lead the school in singing the national anthem he said yeah, that would be fine. I said, do you mind if I explain what the national anthem means? And he said, that'll be fine as well. And so what I did was I the it. national anthem is a hymn. And so, um, it and, and, it's a, and, and the first half of our national anthem is, is straight from scripture. And so I would open up to Samuel, read a portion of scripture, explain the meaning of that scripture, show how it relates to the national anthem, and then stand before these 700 kids and, and lead them in the national anthem. Well, I sweated bullets. It wasn't easy. I'm not the greatest singer on the planet. Um, and, and the kids were quite rowdy to begin with but over the weeks they absolutely warmed up to it and um, to such an extent that uh, when I got to the end of of taking them through the whole of the national anthem we were invited into the school um, we, we spent uh, we were invited into the school every single assembly three three times a week uh, that particular school contacted the schools in our suburb and we actually had five schools that we went to um, every single week in order to lead uh, assemblies reading scripture explaining the meaning uh, uh, and praying with the kids with the blessing of the school governing body and we and we went through the the various different processes that school governing bodies had put in place but it was it was such an amazing opportunity to reach out to our suburb and so i'm hoping that as um uh, pastors are listening in they're hearing what you're saying we're not a secular state schools they are opportunities our, our kids need to hear God's word they need to hear it faithfully taught our, our schools need prayer and they are wonderful mechanisms to go into uh, into our local so suburbs I, I understand there has already been a court case uh, on this issue in Johannesburg and uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that Yes, like many things to do with our religious freedom rights, uh, our, these rights are, our rights are increasingly being contested, infringed upon, and attempts are being made to erode them. And such was the case in um, some, a case which is called the Ogod case. Ogod, I, I, I remember that. Pronounce, yep. I wouldn't even try to, pronou to pronounce what it says in Afrikaans, but the letters are Afrikaans words, rather obviously deliberately. Um, it was Ogod against Ranhart Primary School. And the court specifically dealt, this is a high court decision, with the observance of faith in public schools. And in its ruling, the court emphasized again that public schools belong to the community, not yes. the state. And the court therefore said that a public school, um, although a public school may not promote a specific religion, for example, you can't have say, the Weinberg Christian High School or something like that, or in its motto, you know, Jesus is Lord or logo is the cross or something. You, you can't brand your school as, as a religion. However, uh, they said that 
you can certainly not, which was what O'God were trying to do, remove religion from schools. They actually listed 71 religious observances that they wanted to have removed from schools. They claimed that this was freedom of religion. Actually, no, it was freedom from religion, uh, which is obviously what they were after. Um, and the court then clarified what uh, the school must do. And it explicitly ordered schools to create a space where all pupils, whatever faith you may be, Christian, Muslim, Hindu, atheist even, uh, can feel free to practice whatever their view of God is. And this is, uh, they emphasized, in accordance with the constitutional right to religious freedom uh, rather than, you know, <laughs> freedom from religion. Yes. And then they looked very importantly at Section 52, which we spoke about at the beginning of the Constitution. And they said that the relevant authority in this case is the school governing body, uh, not the department. Mm. It is the school governing body. And the school governing body should therefore make a policy or create a policy that must be done, obviously, uh, on a fair um, an equitable basis and obviously attendance uh, at any religious observance must be free and voluntary. And I guess there's immediate application here for any teacher that's listening in, principal that's listening in, school governing body member that's listening in, or concerned parent that's listening in. You have the ability um, to shape the policy of the school that your child attends. Um, uh, activ- uh, activate yourself. Um, you know, promote the opportunity um, for good, solid, sound preachers to come in on a regular basis and address the children uh, that that are that are in the in the school. Um, th- this is within your power to do. Uh, what are the three requirements, uh, or what do these three requirements mean practically for public schools, Michael? Well, I, th- I think importantly, it's it's more of a responsibility or even a duty of the school governing body to create uh, such a religious policy, because what the letter that we mentioned at the beginning is actually being sent out challenging schools that do not have uh, religious policies, and uh, they are obviously now trying to influence a secular organisation what that policy will look like, but this is what basically a, a policy could typically look like. Um, Schools should therefore have a religious policy um, that has obviously undergone a proper process of consultation with parents and pupils particularly. And, you know, it could include things like, you know, provision for holy days uh, in the setting of test dates and exam timetables. It could obviously um, be something which would allow pupils to be released from formal school time. For example, obviously the uh, Muslim uh, faith, Islamic faith, uh, they have specific prayers on Fridays, for instance. Um, but it also would allow for, say, instruction by external clergy, um, people, as you've mentioned, coming in from outside uh, the school, obviously not in formal school time. It would include things like religious dress, um, manifestation of prayer, you know, worship reading that takes place on school properties, in classrooms, even before sports matches, that sort of thing, um, during assemblies, as you've mentioned. Um, and, and then it would also specify you know, who, would, who would be able to lead them. It would emphasize, uh, obviously, that reasonable accommodation must be made to ensure that attendance is free and voluntary. And it could also, by the way, allow for the establishment of student religious organizations. So that's the type of thing that a policy would cover. But importantly, uh, it means that it must take place on a fair and equitable basis. But let's make it very clear. Equitable does not mean equal. In other words, 
not like one day per faith, you know, one day Islam, mm, mm. Uh, Jewish, Hebrew, you know, Hindu, Rastafarian, that yes. type of thing. But it is supposed to represent the demographic of the school makeup itself. So in other words, it, it, it is designed to allow uh, the practice of all faiths and to accommodate all faiths, but in a way that is equitable and representative. And obviously the other thing that it must do is it must make sure that uh, if you do not want to attend as a pupil, there's no uh, either, you know, overt or, or covert uh, obligation on you to do so. You, know, you can't sort of stop the assembly and point to the three people of another faith in the in the front row and then say, you can now leave. You know, <laughs> in other words, it must be free and voluntary. But what the policy looks like from one school or another will obviously differ. But every school should be tackling this issue. Mm. And it's going to depend, as I said, among other things on learner composition, the needs of the school. But again, this is what the school governing body needs to work out at grassroots level. Michael, honestly, excellent conversation. Lots of practical application. Very, very valuable in terms of the national discussion. Thank you so much for highlighting this. And uh, yeah, I, I, I look forward to hearing testimony of listeners uh, in terms of how they've been able to promote um the the public reading and preaching of of scripture even in the local schools that they are involved in um and god willing uh, you know the next generation grows up knowing and loving jesus christ as their lord and their savior michael can i just tell to, yeah sure just to say mark we we have helped certain schools yes. to formulate uh, these religious policies and it is quite it can have quite a technical aspect because there's obviously certain compliance that you have to take into account and what have you but we are very happy to see how we can assist any public school uh, to make sure that their religious policy uh, is reflective of the law and obviously is framed uh, in a way that is compliant so well, the, if you would the, like or schools or maybe school governing bodies who are listening would like to contact us at info uh, at 4sa.org.za uh, or you can go on our website and you can just find the contact details there. Uh, we would obviously be very happy to help. forsa.org.za is our website address. Yeah, you stole my thunder. I was going to point listeners oh. to the website. But if they do go to the website, they can always sign up for the 4SA newsletter, which will bring them cutting-edge information in terms of what is happening in the ongoing and rolling conversation between the church and the state. Correct. And also visit us on our Facebook page. Great stuff. And, and you know what, Michael? I am down in Cape Town next year. Uh, next year, next week. I'm looking forward oh, wow. uh, to, to seeing the glorious Cape Town, beautiful weather, and taking a look at that mountain once again. <sighs> I'm looking out of my window at, at, at the beautiful weather. Oh, now you're just showing off, man. Now you're just showing it's off. Waiting. It's, it's waiting for you. But, but Mark, please, please give me a call when you're coming down. Thank you. Thank you. I, I will take you up on that. God bless you, mate. And uh, thank you for the work that you and Foy say do.